busting the myth of Hokey Honky Stan, perhaps even Gorbachev. This is episode number 743. That's a Sophie Germain prime of The Next Step, September 1st, 2022. Hi, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to a 15th season of The Next Step podcast with Father Vazgan. With these podcasts, Father Vazgan provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties, based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take the next step. Well, how do you do? Hope you're doing well. It is a hot one here in Southern California, but we're staying cool with the fans and sometimes, if we can, even enjoying a little air-conditioned air hitting at us. How are you doing? Hopefully everybody's doing well, and today we are going to – we could have easily called this episode the Mythbusters episode. We're going we're gonna to bust the myth, bust the myth about Hokianquist, about what Requiem is all about as we talk about a Requiem service this coming week that probably all of you can relate to, somehow kind of touches everybody. We'll be talking about that in the second portion of today's show. I want to start off with some very good news. You may or may not have heard in the Armenian community, Glendale is one of the big centers of Armenian activity, and our diocese just purchased a brand new building. Well, brand new for us. I've got to watch what I say, right? No, it's not a brand new building. It's a building that belonged formerly to the Roman Catholic Church, and they sold us this um, it, it has a church facility on it. It has a gymnasium, an outdoor center, and most importantly, it's going to house the new Epostle.net. It is going to be the center of the Epostle ministry. So we're really excited. I had a chance. My first peak was yesterday. We selected a room. We selected the um, the area. And hopefully within the next few weeks, we will be there and broadcasting from there. We'll be starting our ePostle broadcast from there. So very, very excited. Look on today's show notes. I'm going to put a small video which introduces the property to you. It's very exciting also because it is the Armenian church presence in Glendale. Now, now, hold on before you say, wait a minute, There's listen to what I said. It's the Armenian Church presence in Glendale. It's a center. It's wild. It's actually going to don even not only a sanctuary, but an outdoor, an outdoor um, altar area, which can be used just as they do in Holy Etchmeads in an outdoor area for the, for the grand events that people can't just fit into the church. Anyway, that's down the line. But listen to what I said. It's the Armenian Church presence. And uh, yeah, there are other or there are other denominations, although I don't believe the Armenian Church is a denomination. It is the church, but they will sell themselves as denominations. Um, yeah, there are denominations. They're not the Armenian Church. Uh, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, you've got one mother. 
you've got a mother. Like her or not, that's your mother, right? Now, what happened is many years ago, this mother was imprisoned by the Soviets. And so some people said, hey, we don't want to deal with that mom. And they just left her and decided that they would uh, pledge allegiance elsewhere. Well, think about it, really, you know. Like there's a church here in um, in the Los Angeles area, Holy Cross. It's the oldest Armenian church in Los Angeles. That was the church that was established in 1923. And uh, a few months back, I did a, a small little presentation on it. You can check it out. I'll make sure that there's a link on today's show notes to the group of people that were there. And in fact, it was 95 years to the date, 4th of July, that uh, they had a they had a church picnic celebrating, and I made the point of saying these are people that had gone through genocide and now were celebrating the independence of the new country that they were in. And you look at a picture I shared with you a picture. Please just check out the show notes. I will have a link on there. But you look at the picture and you say, "Wow, you know these are." These are genocide survivors, and everyone looks so prim and proper. Yeah, because they were celebrating, the celebrating new life, a new beginning. And that's very special. And what happened is after that, um, there was unfortunately uh, factions, and there were politics played, and a group decided that they were going to just get out of the Armenian church, and they took Holy Cross hostage and took him away. Now, that's that's an event of history. Well, what happened since that time, the original people who were aligned with the Armenian Church and with Holy Etchmiadzin went on to create the St. James Parish in Los Angeles, a fine parish that's been around um, just as long because it, its roots are Holy Cross. But what happened is that they they sold that property, the Holy Cross property, and they went out and they bought another piece of property and now are saying it's their 100th anniversary. Well, it doesn't work like that. 100 years ago, there was a group of Armenians that had their allegiance to the Armenian church, which was the mother church, uh, namely Holy Etchmiadzin. They decide that they're going to change. Well, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's like saying, okay, I don't want you, mom. Because <laughs> because the Soviets have got you. Because you're imprisoned. You're somewhere. So we're not going to recognize you as mom. We're going to go elsewhere. Okay, that's fine. You know, you're free to do whatever you want. But don't come back and say, okay, mom, now we're ready to celebrate your 100th birthday. <laughs> it's like too late, man. Life has gone by. And you look at the history, and of course, there's no history there. The history is, uh, well, it goes to the to the people who can write, and that's what they've done. So anyway, um, I bring all this up because, you know, you see things and you read them and you you want to know. And I read that in the Armenian Observer newspaper, one of the fine newspapers that comes out. It's uh, been around for over 50 years. And it, it covered that story. But here was what was interesting to me, the, the story that really got me in that same newspaper was this front page article that said, Willoughby, Australia, City Council condemns Azerbaijani aggression. Yeah, yeah, wait, let me say that again, okay? Actually, let me read it. The City Council of Willoughby, Australia, 
has made a unanimous decision to condemn Azerbaijan's recent aggression against the Republic of Artsakh. Are you following that? So a city council is now talking about con- condemning huge um, superpowers. Yes, Turkey. It's a big power, okay? Azerbaijan. Don't fool yourself. Turkey's underneath it. I, here's what I'm saying, okay? I mean, you know, these are kind of things that get you excited. They say, oh, look, our city council is with us. And those are important. And this is with all due respect. I have a lot of beautiful friends and followers in Australia. And you know who you are. I love you very much. This is not about Australia. This could have easily been anywhere else, including they've done it in Glendale, the small little area. The Glendale City Council has condemned Azerbaijan, too. That's great. You know, that's great that you're condemning them. But is this news is this news that we should be applauding? Like, really? Really? Like, this small little city council? Like, do you think people in Azerbaijan, do you think the government even knows about this? Even hears about this? Maybe somebody put it in an envelope and mailed it to them because, you know, you'd be kind of embarrassed to send it by email. No one would read it. So maybe you, it could get more attention by putting it in an envelope and then you send it to them. What I'm saying is that we've got it all mixed up, don't we, right? We start talking about equals, like a city council in, where is this, Willoughby, Australia. A city council in Glendale, California, United States of America, is making a proclamation about the activities of Azerbaijan. That's great. That's great that they're doing that, but is that your business? Well, you say, well, at least they're saying something. Yes, they are saying something, but follow me out right now, okay? Because this is the kind of things that we get excited about and we fool ourselves with. A couple days ago, President of the former Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, passed away at the age of 91. And I do want to mention that a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the former Soviet Union, I mentioned a particular personal incident that happened to me in 1977. And I erroneously mentioned Gorbachev. It was the time of Gorbachev. Yes, a couple of you caught that. And thank you. Thank you for catching that. It was the time of Brezhnev, not of Gorbachev. But I mentioned Gorbachev at the time because in my lifetime, here was somebody that had done something very major, major in the sense that he had tried to reform what was called the Soviet Union. And those of you who remember this time, it was a very special time in the history of the world because we were living through the Cold War. I don't know how many of you remember. We used to have uh, drop-in and cover, take cover drills because we grew up in a time where people were scared that there would be a nuclear attack. Uh, as Ronald Reagan, the president's once said, mutual, uh, what was it, safety by mutual destruction or something like that. 
Um, in other words, that the only way that you could prevent a nuclear attack was to make sure that you had a nuclear arsenal that would deter them, deterrence, by mutual annihilation. That's what it was, deterrence. Okay, so the reason why I would be deterred from dropping a nuclear bomb on your city, the only reason that that uh, I would be deterred from doing that was knowing the fact that the minute that I sent one out, uh, there would be a bomb aimed at me and my city would go up too. And there's really... No one who's going to win in, in a, a nuclear holocaust, a nuclear war. And we grew up with that fear between the superpowers, what we would call the United States and the Soviet Union. And along comes Gorbachev, who was a reformer. And he, there was, there was an honest dialogue. And it's, it's interesting because if you study that time and you study some of the um, – some of the interviews with Gorbachev subsequently, you find that he really wasn't out there to destroy the Soviet Union or to to break it up, but really to reform it. And it was Yeltsin who later on, it was under Yeltsin's watch that it broke up. Anyway, that that's besides the point. Gorbachev during the 1980s, he was a personality. He became popular along with his wife, Risa. And uh, you know, we learned we learned uh, Russian words such as perestroika and um, glasnost, openness. You know, openness, glasnost, and perestroika. These were words that we we started to to reiterate. You know, on a world stage, people were talking about it, and subsequently, the Soviet Union fell, and in its fall, we saw that. There was independence proclaimed. There was a difference, a different climate. Capitalism went in, replaced communism, so we thought, and so on and so on. Now, again, please listen to me carefully. I'm not advocating for one form of government over the other in this podcast. I may do it personally, but this is not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is this individual named Gorbachev who comes along and religion. What happened at that time? Do you know that many of the people in the religious community, especially fundamentalists, saw him as the personification of evil? Yeah. You could go look this up. And the reason for this, listen to this, okay? Because he was advocating for peace, right? He was working out these strategies on a high level, but the biggest reason for this was he had this huge birthmark on his head. If you go and see pictures of him, he's got a huge birthmark on his head. And many people in the religious community, primarily in the fundamentalist Christian community, said that this was the mark of the beast. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the beast. And where did they get that? Well, they had interpreted Revelation to mean that, you know, yes, this is the man. He is the 666. There is the mark of the beast on his head, and he's going to wreak havoc, and so on and so on. Now, this was the religious community back in 1980s, okay? He passed away a couple days ago. And it was kind of interesting for me in 
to, to look at social media the way they reacted because there was obviously people who mourned mourned not so much as on a personal level as much as saying that hey here's somebody who did something and it's too bad that we lost him in fact last night I watched uh, uh, a special uh, hosted by Christiana Amonpour and it was very very good uh, where she made that point you know that we may never return back to that point back to the reformers in this level. And um, so as his death was being announced, I went on social media and I saw some different posts. And what do I find people in the religious community? First of all, in the Armenian religious community who were labeling him as a coward. The reason why he was a coward was because during the, um, during the Artsakhian movement, the Gharabakh movement, he didn't side with the Armenians. And so he was now labeled a coward. So here's somebody sitting in a, in Glendale in the comforts of his home and has labeled him on media as a coward. As if that label upon him or that projection of that label upon him makes me what? A hero? Makes me courageous? You know, he's a coward, but I'm sitting here in the comfort of my home electronically labeling him as a coward. I just thought that that was kind of interesting coming from the religious community that it was that it was offered by. Likewise, people were pointing fingers at him saying that he was the personification of evil. And it, it, it's kind of sad because, you know, here's somebody who was trying to reform. And there are people who are going to do this in a wide variety of platforms, including politics. And if you want to get involved in politics, which I don't, uh, you realize that there's going to be people who are going to be with you and people who are going to be against you. And many years ago, and you've heard me say this over and over again, you know, these politicians are politicians. Basically, the reason why they do the things that they do is self-preservation. In other words, they're looking for your votes. And it is one of the beautiful things about the voting system, right? The people of popularity, in other words, the more people that vote for them, they will become the leaders on the, in the political realm. But they're all the same. They're all going to promise you things that many times they cannot deliver. And it's really a shame on us, you know, as the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's really a shame on all of us when we put that kind of trust and hope in these quote-unquote leaders. I was reading a, a interview that I did earlier this year, and we talked about Hariman Heidig, and it made it very clear in my mind, you know, the writings of Hariman Heidig. One of the reasons why I tune in with him so well is here is a church leader who was thrust upon the political landscape, he was actually, as the church leader, invited to go to Berlin to represent not the Armenian church necessarily as much as the Armenian people. And he goes into Berlin and he comes back saying that, people of Armenia, you've got to rely on yourselves. Don't think that there is anybody else out there. Rely on yourselves. 
And this self-reliance is very, very important because unfortunately what we do caught up in politics, we think that other people are going to solve our problems. When the bottom line is not that they don't want to solve your problems. They don't care or they don't even know about your problems. And uh, this is part of the illusion that we play into. And uh, why I think it's very important as a church body, as a church people, we understand ourselves as a people of God, as people who are in tuned with a higher understanding of life. Not in the sense, hey, look at me, I've, I've, got a, I've got so much over you because I understand the world differently. No, but I am in tuned with something different. And the call there is really to bring about peace and understanding among people. It's not about national preservation. It's not about keeping boundaries. It's not about keeping politics. It's about understanding with one another. And there you go. The bottom line of religion, right? Getting us to learn to live with one another. In fact, heralded by the angels the night that Jesus came. Peace on earth. Goodwill with one another. All right, let's take our break right now. Here's a song that I picked out for today. We do this every week. Give us a little bit of time to catch our breath, digest what's been said, and then return for a second part where we will do Mythbusters. Britain busting the myth of Hokianquist, okay? Here's today's selection. Enjoy.
American jazz pianist David Benoit doing Freedom at Midnight. You kind of expected something freedom-y, didn't you? Yeah, we try to keep it to the to the themes. Anyway, we were up in the Bay Area last week, and you know how when you drive into these areas that you uh, that you used to live, you you look for your old stations, and sure enough, there we were looking for our old jazz stations. And uh, but we get to hear David Benoit quite often down here on KKJZ, uh, the jazz station down here in Southern California. I believe it's out of Long Beach. Anyway, um, I digress like I always do. When it comes to music, hope you enjoyed it. I will have a link on today's show notes, not only to David Benoit, but to all of his wonderful music. And let's get back to the show. There used to be a show on television, which was kind of popular, and I enjoyed watching it, too. It was called Mythbusters, and actually, I don't know if it's still on. It may or may not be on, but what they did is they took many of the things that we are accustomed to believe and really never really take the time to analyze, is this true? Is this, um, is this possible? Or is this a myth that I've just gone ahead and accepted? So some of the things, let me just share with you. I'm, I opened up their website just to get an idea of what we used to watch in those times. A rock kicked up by a lawnmower can deliver the same force as a bullet. True or false? Well, so the Mythbusters would take that and they'd take a rock and have it thrown, up by, uh, thrown out by a lawnmower and really check out if it was the same force as a bullet. A pane of plate glass dropped from sufficient height can cut a person in half, but tempered glass will just crush the person. I don't know how they check that. <laughs> I don't know how they check that one out, but this is part of their mythbusters. Spray sunscreens can be flammable due to propellants. Now, it's an easy one to check. I don't know if you've ever done it. We used to use my mom's hairspray, put a match to it, and you'd have a blowtorch. They probably did the same kind of thing with this. A railroad, railroad tanker car can implode after being stream clean, steam cleaned and then sealed and cooled, but only if it has prior damage. So anyway, there were things like this that they would take and they'd actually go out there. They'd take this old railroad tanker. They would clean it. with uh, They'd steam clean it. Then they'd seal it and then they'd cool it down and see if it actually did implode. And this was the show. They would take these myths that you had heard about and uh, check them out. You know, put them to the scientific test. A person's tongue can instantly stick to a freezing pole. Remember the Christmas story? Yeah, if you take your if you take your tongue and stick it to a pole, does it stick there? Is this some kind of torture that was being done? Anyway, using a cell phone will while pumping gas will cause an explosion. There's one. 
that I always think about when pumping gas. There's a big sign on the gas pump. It says, turn off your cell phone or do not bring your cell phone within range. And I think all of us have had that experience, if not making a call while we're pumping gas, at least having the the phone ring or something. And you go, whoa, hold it. And are we going to be thrown up? So they took these myths, these stories, and they treated them as myths and said, let's test them. True or false, the Mythbusters. Now, we in the Armenian Church have our set of myths, too. Things that we start to believe only because we've accepted them. That somehow there's these magical and mystical powers inside of objects, and we fail to... and, And one such one, of course, is the lighting of candles. I went and I lit a candle for a purpose, thinking that that candle in itself has some kind of magical influence over over life, even to the point that, you know, if you believe in fatalism, you can oppose fatalism. You can say that, okay, I'm going to light a candle and it will change the course. And a lot of this is based on the idea that, you know, we, we pray in the way we ask Santa Claus for gifts. You know, if I do something good, then Santa Claus rewards me with a gift. If I do something bad, I may get a lump of coal or not get anything, or even worse, be punished, right? I guess the lump of coal is a punishment, right? Yeah, you don't want to get one of those. So we treat God in the same way, don't we? We make these prayers and we think the way God answers them is a reflection on the way we have lived or how we can live. Anyway, there are so many things, and wouldn't it be great if you could if you could test these things. One myth that we have is the myth of Hokehankist. Hokehankist, the word itself is understood in our church as a service for the repose of souls. In common language, though, the word Hokehankist is made up of two words, namely soul, hoki. And hankist means at rest. So the, to put the soul at rest. And because it's an action that takes place, sometimes people believe that you go and you request this hankist. And if that soul is being tormented in hell or at some some place beyond this life, by going and requesting a prayer service... The prayers of the people will make God change his mind and say, okay, you know, I was going to send this guy to hell, but, you know, now that uh, 10 people are praying for him, um, let's, let's move him up. Let's bump him up. There, there's room for him in heaven. Or her, of course. Yes. So just by the name, the soul at rest, and because it's an action, people have thought and still do. You know, like, okay, it's the one year we uh, the, since the person has passed, we have to go and do a hokyankist so his soul can be at rest. And the myth that needs to be busted is that these services, yes, they are for the soul of these people who have passed, but the reason we do them <laughs> is not so the soul can be found in a better state in front of God. The soul is judged on how he or she lived in this life. And that judgment is only God's. God may say, hey, you know, I don't care how you lived. This guy's going to heaven. This guy's going to be in eternal 
punishment or whatever it may be, okay? Whatever the afterlife has in store for him, it's in God's domain. We don't mess with that. But the, the common myth is that you go to church and you pay a donation. So for $25, I don't know, 25 is that right these days with inflation? Maybe $50, maybe $100, I don't know. You pay a fee and you have prayers offered for the individual. And if this person is being tormented, this person will now be elevated to a different status. Now, I don't know if people really believe that. But it would seem like that's what the common belief is. Judging by the number of hokianki's that take place and judging by what people's reactions are. Where people just really don't take the time or the energy to really think about it. Rather, it's a mechanical activity of asking for a requiem, a repose of the soul. The hokianki service. Now, it just so happens that this coming Sunday... There are there is an anniversary for me. I'm going to be remembering in my prayers because I'm going to be celebrating the divine liturgy and during the liturgy there's an opportunity to remember people who have asked for prayers. And I always do I carry with me the people who have asked me during the week to pray for them, but I also carry with me the people who have passed, primarily those in the week, but also people in my memory that have maybe an anniversary or somehow coin, coincide with with that particular day. You know, like, for instance, if the day before was the celebration of St. Peter, and then you know somebody, my, I lost an uncle, Peter, it would be natural for me to think of Peter on that day, right? My uncle on that day. In the case of these Hokianki's, these four people that I will be remembering this week, these are people that made a mark on life itself. The first one was a dear friend, uh, Father Mahakya Amirian. He passed away exactly a year ago of COVID, 40 years old. A huge and terrible loss. Not only for his family, not only for the bigger family, the Armenian church, but honestly for humanity. He was just such a, a wonderful, wonderful and warm man. And you probably remember last year I spoke about him. Number two. It was 25 years ago that Princess Diana passed away. And Princess Diana really changed the way not only we observed the royals, but changed the way we observed celebrities. Celebrities who used their status to do good. She was out there helping people in, in, in food lines, helping people in hospitals and so on, and, and just using her celebrity status to bring attention to some horrific events in the world. Number three, 25 years ago, again, yes, the same week that Princess Diana died, Mother Teresa passed away. And I always remember this, that she kind of got shortchanged because the world centered on Princess Diana. And Mother Teresa, if it was any other week, would have probably hit the top of the news, the news feed for that week. But instead, she was relegated to the secondary or tertiary position in the news. But nonetheless, she was somebody who really changed the way we look at life. Here was somebody at her small stature, 
and old age who was able to change the way people think, people, the way people reacted to the horrendous, to the horrific, people who otherwise had been forgotten about. And I know there's so much controversy. She did it for that reason. I'm not interested in any of that except from what I've seen. And you and I both know that there are people that she has helped. And it's been done selflessly. At the same time, we know that no matter what, we are people. And we have egos at work. And those egos can take you in different directions, right? So we had Father Mahakya. We had Princess Diana and we had um, Mother Teresa, all going to be remembered this Sunday. Finally, the last one is a group, a group of um, soldiers, actually, Air Force men, that went down in 1958 in a village called Sasnashen. Hey, uh, you know, those of you who have been with me know what I'm talking about. Something that's been very dear to my heart in the last four years since I became familiar with this story. Went out to Nebraska and then had a chance to go out to Sasnashen on two occasions and see the actual site at which this American United States Air Force airplane had crash-landed. And I will put a link on today's show notes to that, okay, rather than go through the whole story with you, because it is a very fascinating and interesting story that I think you should know. You should familiarize yourself with it. Um, here, Here's the deal now. On this Sunday, when we do Hokiankist, it's not about them, is it? And the reason why I'm bringing up these four people, because you you definitely could see it's not about them. Why am I doing this Hokiankist? It's for me, isn't it? It's for me to understand that these people have influenced and touched my lives. It's for me to understand that we are all interconnected. It's for me to understand that there is something higher to which we aspire. Here are people in their lifetime who did so much for the world, who helped the world, who helped others. And some of them, actually, let me see, actually the group of 17, uh, Mother Teresa and Princess Diana, I do not know personally. I don't even know who they are. But I connect with them. Why? Because they have touched my life in a unique way. And so when we do Hokiankis, when we offer our prayers for these people, our prayers are not about them. These people are at peace. And you can, yes, you can even, um, you can expand this to the funeral service itself. We get together and we remember people who have passed away. They've passed away. Their lives are gone. We gather together not for their sake, but for us to become a reflection of those lives. For us to remember those lives in our lives. And I think this is, we do a big disservice when we say we're going to go to this church and we're going to do a hokeyankis so that these people's, so that these people will be um, accepted in the sight of God. May they rest in peace. May God illuminate their soul. These are beautiful wishes that we have. But let's not discount the most fundamental reason why we offer these prayers is to keep them alive in our hearts, in ourselves. 
I think prayer, the most beautiful way that we can understand the meaning of any prayer is from the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Upon teaching us the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, what does he say? He says, do not heap up for yourself extra words because your Father who is in heaven already knows what you need. If your father already knows what you need, what are you praying about? Well, you're definitely not praying about the Santa Claus list, are you? Because he already knows you need those. So that prayer becomes an opportunity for you to start reflecting upon them. And this is the same about, uh, about saints, too. These saints have lived their lives. And in remembering the saints, it's not like you're doing something great for them. You're doing something for yourself. You're taking a bit of them. You're taking their example, applying it to your life. And in that application to your life, you strive to become a better person. You strive to imitate. You strive to take something from those lives, whether it's a Mother Teresa, a Princess Diana, a Father Marakia, or 17 soldiers who left their lives in a plane crash in Sasna Shen. It gives you a chance to reflect upon them. And in that reflection, spiritually, you grow. This is what is when we talk about um, meditation, right? These are all opportunities for us to meditate, to take inward, to take these lives, not as objects of uh, of how many years, of how many decades. Okay, this person lived, uh, Mother Teresa lived, what was she, 85 years old when she passed? Eight and a half decades? Uh, Princess Diana was, I don't, I don't think she was even 40, right? Four decades. Father Mahakia, four, 40 years old. It's not about those years. It's about the quality and the content of those years. And that's where we pray, and that's where we pick up their, their stories and see their example in our lives, for our lives. And so in that case, we have busted the myth that hokiankist is about getting these people into heaven. We allow God to be God. God will judge them. It's God's judgment. Whether he does a judgment, he doesn't do it, it's his business. What our business is, these are people who touched our lives in unique ways with their stories, with their messages, and now we take them and we apply them into our lives. And the same is true for our parents that we've, we've lost, for children that we've lost, for relatives, for friends and families that we've lost. All of these people make up the person that we are today, that you are today. And so take some time to reflect upon them, to think about them, and to make your life a more meaningful and productive, spiritually filling, fulfilling life. Hokianquist. The myth has been busted. Okay, here is Susie to make her announcement. Uh, back from vacation. Did you have a good time? I, I know you did. <laughs> back from vacation, here's Susie to make her announcement. I'll be back in a couple moments, okay? Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, 
forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vosgen. Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you to all of you for all of your kind words of encouragement, for your prayers, for your support for this ministry, which is now about to flower. I was on a Zoom call this morning with our web developer and with the people that are putting this together. We have such a fantastic team working day and night, literally, to put together the opening of the epostle.net, the launch of the new website. That's going to be on September 25th. I want you to mark your calendar and please plan on being with us. If you can in the Southern California area, we'd love to have you with us. If you can't, please join us on the web and we will be sending out information on where to catch us. This Sunday, I will be at the St. Gregory Armenian Church in Pasadena. This is my former parish. And they are so good about getting the word out and sending out the link to the broadcast early enough. So it's early enough that I could include it on today's podcast notes. So if you are with us this Sunday morning, you'll get to share in the Divine Liturgy and in a message for the day. Um, Let's see, we will start the Divine Liturgy at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time. That's uh, Universal Time, uh, less seven hours. So whatever it is, do the calculation, and I hope you can join us. Well, that does it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed producing it for you. On behalf of our producer, Susie, back from vacation, and myself, Father Voskin. We look forward to taking the next step with you again next week. Stand by for disclaimer. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and projection crew Vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Vpostle.net, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. I forgot to ask you if uh, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, Bye.